Welcome to the Super Jump Podcast. I'm your host, Mitchell Farley Wolf, and I'm here as usually with editor at large of Super Jump Magazine, Wyatt Donegan. Wyatt, how's it going? Uh, things are going pretty good. Just sitting out here, relaxing in California, trying to have a good time. Uh, I can edit this out of the podcast if you if you don't want to be too public about it, but I saw a tweet, Wyatt, that you're expecting <laughs> a little kid. I am, yeah, yeah. Me and my wife, we just uh, announced last weekend that we are indeed having our first child. Um, so we're very excited to do in May, so we've got about six months to go. But uh, but yeah, you guys will be seeing a little super jump baby at some point in the future. Uh, that's so exciting. Congratulations, man. That's That's wonderful. <laughs> Uh, Appreciate it. While we're waiting for that baby to come out, we have a lot of other games that are coming out, and a lot of things that aren't happening in that time frame that we would normally expect to see around then. That's my little hint for what's happening later on in this episode. Until then, let's jump into the Playtime Report. White, I've played no games since the last episode, (laughs) and it's been two weeks. Uh, which is a lot of weeks for that to be the case, but it it is true. I've played no games other than, and this is just coming into my mind right now, what I've been doing is in the last couple days I've been uh, getting ready for the release of Pokemon Let's Go Pikachu and Eevee by playing more Pokemon Go. Um, <laughs> and have, did, you, did you get into the, the Pokemon Go craze when it hit really big two years ago i did when it first came out um i was super into it like you know because down here in uh in california i would go to like uh, santa monica pier um redondo beach pier because those were always like some like really big hot spots where there would be like i remember i went to santa monica pier like the first week that the game came out and there were just hundreds of people everyone just staring at their phones everybody had battery packs it was honestly really cool to see that many people just kind of playing a game even if it was you know like a a a pokemon game but it was still pretty cool to see but after that i kind of waned a lot and i'll every like six months i'll pick it up and play it kind of semi-hardcore for like maybe a week but then yeah yeah tired of it that that sounds exactly right (laughs) Um, when it first came out, I, I was in college in San Diego and the Pokemon Go scene, just, I guess just the nerd video game scene in San Diego is like really, really big. I mean, it's a big city, so it's going to be big, but even in, in terms of regular cities, San Diego seems to be like a big nerd capital for, for the area. And, and college especially, just going around, palling around with, with a bunch of my friends. We all decided to be the same team so we could take down gyms together and, and stuff. That was that was a fun a fun moment for sure. Um, and now that I'm not in that situation anymore, it is a lot less of a communal thing for me. But I think the game is also a lot better now. Like when, when the, the thing came out, there just weren't very many different things you could do. And now you can go do raids and do research quests and all these different things that make it seem a lot more like you have a real goal. So that's cool. Um, yeah. And uh, I, I, I really like the growth that Pokemon Go has seen just in the scope of what the game is and like what you as a player, what your goals are, stuff like that. It's cool to see. Um, but that game is two years old. You've been playing... Well, actually, you've been playing some old games, too. What have you been playing? <laughs> um, so, yeah, I've been playing... I think... I think did I talk about it last time? I don't remember. But uh, Diablo 3 just came out for the Switch a couple weeks ago. Uh, I think I did talk about it. Um, yeah, I, I believe you did. So I was playing that. Yeah, I played that. It had just come out, like, the day before last podcast. Um, so for the last couple of weeks, I've been playing through that a lot. Um, played through the story, and now I'm just kind of doing a... Um, the seasonal characters that they have where they have set seasons that last for about three months and you can level up characters and there's special gear you can unlock. Um, and then after the season it just turned into a regular character that you can just play um, as much as you want. So that's been super fun because even when, when Diablo three first came out, when I played it, I never played it a ton because it came out like right in the middle of college. Um, sure. like, it came out, I was like, I think it came out my senior year of college and then I took a year off and then went to law school, got married 
moved across the country, then ended up moving back. And that was one year. That was all stuff. in one year. That's a crazy. Uh, year. Yeah, yeah. So to, yeah, 2012 Diablo came out, graduated, and then 2013 um, got married, moved to Louisiana, started law school. Um, oh man, what a yeah, year! So it literally it, within like a week, we got married on July 14th. Went on our honeymoon to Disney World for a week, and then came back for a day and then drove to Louisiana and then like got there. And then like three weeks later, I started law school. So it was, uh, it was quite the, quite the time because neither of us had lived outside the, the, our, our parents' house before and all that kind of stuff. So it was a very interesting time. Um, wow. So yeah, not a lot of time to play video games. So <laughs> I'm kind of reca- recapturing that uh, Diablo kind of grind and it's been really fun. Um, cool. And then uh, today, I just started playing um, this game called Paladins, which is basically it's like Overwatch, um, but it's set in the universe. It's made by the same company that makes Smite. Um, and then their uh, Paladins is the same is kind of like the same as Realm, Realm Royale, like the little battle royale that came out a few months ago. Uh, okay. Basically. It's a, it's like the, you know, like 15th Battle Royale that's come out in the last few weeks, but Paladins is kind of where it gets a lot of its abilities and all that kind of stuff. So it's basically Overwatch where you have, uh, there's five players instead of six, but it's a 5v5. There's objectives you have to capture and you have ultimates and abilities and all that kind of stuff. So I was covering this event for work and I never played it before. Um, and I noticed that it was on the Switch. So I was like, all right, I'll check it out. And... For the last, like, six hours, I've just been sitting on my bed playing it. So, it's pretty fun. Um, I like it a lot. So, if you like Overwatch and you can want something a little bit less technical, a little bit more casual, um, and at least from where I'm at right now, it's not super toxic, kind of like the Overwatch community is. It seems like it's a little bit more user-friendly. Um, I definitely recommend checking it out. And it's free to play. So, that's also really cool. So, yeah, you can... If you're a player who hasn't really gotten into this genre of games, would you recommend Paladins over Overwatch to anyone? Um, yeah. You would. Okay, interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because Overwatch, even though... So, like, Paladins, it has a deeper uh, hero or, like, champion pool. Um, so, it looks like... Uh, from what I've seen, I think there's about 30 champions that you can choose from. Whereas in Overwatch, I think there's also... I think there's 25 or 26 okay. in Overwatch, but there's only about like 10 that really get played a lot. Um, I mean, my girlfriend Ash is only in Overwatch, so <laughs> that's true. There is no Ash in uh, in in Realm or in uh, Paladins, but I will. But it is funny. A lot of the a lot of the the champions are basically carbon copies of Overwatch heroes. So if you have played Overwatch. You'll be very familiar with a lot of the characters. Um, there's, you know, there's a just like Diva in Overwatch who has this huge mech that has these two guns that you shoot and has thrusters and shoots missiles. There's this gnome that is in a mech that looks like from like an elven world that shoots lasers and all that kind of stuff. So if you're familiar with the characters in Overwatch, you'll see a lot of parallels. And if you've never played Overwatch, it definitely seems like it's a little bit easier to get into sure um yeah. it kind of it has like a free uh because there's 30 characters but you have to unlock them um so they have like a rotation of characters that you get for free and those are the ones that you'll kind of see more often so it's a little bit easier to kind of digest how to play the game rather than just being presented with a bunch of different characters um and people in overwatch just tend to be kind of jerks so is that. is that design purposeful is it meant to be a beginner's overwatch i believe so yeah because it, it seems like everything that high-res studios makes is like a more accessible version of a different game because smite is like league of legends but instead you it's it's it's, it's, a, it's a third person shooter basically whereas league of legends is a top-down kind of thing where you just point and click yeah smite you actually it's like a third person shooter so you control their movement, all their abilities, you can actually aim all of that. So they do a little bit of a, um, so it's, it's a different take on it, but it definitely is a little bit more accessible to the general public because 
League is very complicated. Overwatch is very complicated and all that. So these are a little bit easier to digest versions, but they're still very good. I I, I always think about um, if whatever game is big right now, and I, I guess it's a little past Overwatch's like peak time, but back when Overwatch was like the biggest game to be uh, <laughs> talked about, um, I, I, I think about the kids that are growing up as that as their first game. And how that might affect games, or like how they see games in the future. For me, yeah. the like the the seminal games for me were like Mario sixty four, Banjo Kazooie, and and uh, like Zelda Ocarina of Time. Any like a, a lot of third person, uh, a guy is walking around in a three D space, and I like still to this day I always think. Oh man, that's that's where I want to see a game. Just put me in a big 3D space. I get to explore. I'd love that. And mm-hmm. uh, I, I don't know. This is way off topic. You just something you said got me thinking about this. <laughs> um, like I wonder what Overwatch generation children will, will will come out being interested in from that because we've already seen it a little bit with Minecraft. How mm-hmm. um, the options a player has seem to be much more important to them than uh, the exploration of the world or even the design of the game uh, because mm-hmm. people are much more open to roguelikes now. People are much more yeah. open to randomly generated things um, so long as their their expressionism in the game is, is pretty free and, and they're, they're able to do whatever they want. I, I wonder what the Overwatch generation of kids is going to be interested in. Yeah, it's very interesting because Overwatch is a very just particular type of game, um, and it, and it it's also weird. I mean, this is also kind of a little bit off topic of where we were, but it's funny how Overwatch peaked really high within yeah. like first few months that it came out, and then it really I think once the once people realize kind of how technical the game gets and just how team oriented it is, a lot of people just like jump ship to whatever the next thing was so it's been it's interesting just from like a top-down perspective just looking at the gaming space in general just kind of seeing the games that have popped up and and seeing just which ones have stuck around which ones haven't and a lot of the ones that have stuck around have had a much more like casual element to them that's just easier to to get into and has a lower barrier of entry and everything yeah i I always think about um Another thing I always think about that uh, is similar to that is um, a lot of games really want to design their games so that if this is the first game you've played in whatever genre, it's fine. In fact, it it encourages that and Mm -hmm. it it lets you in without paying or like you you don't need to pay that much um, attention resource in order to get up to speed on whatever this thing is even if you're a complete virgin to the the genre or the idea or whatever um, like every single pokemon game designs Mm -hmm. itself to be okay to be someone's first pokemon game Um, despite the fact that there's like 20 of them so, I mean, mathematically, that just isn't very likely. But they, they still yeah. do it every single time. And mm-hmm. every single time a game actually bites the bolt and says, no, this is not designed to be anyone's first anything, it doesn't do well. It, it yeah. You'd think it would. You'd think it would with a certain audience. But even then, um, like it, it just doesn't do particularly well. It's interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, well... That's been a little bit of a, a short playtime report, but in our defense, we haven't been playing that much, but there has <laughs> been a lot of news. So let's jump into the Newsy Nibble. Here's the big one. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Sony is not attending E3 in any capacity, presentation, or show floor. What is up with that? They've never missed an E3 in the entire history of the show's 24-year history. History of its history? Yeah, that makes sense. Good enough. I'm a good <laughs> podcaster. Wyatt, what's up? Why do they do this? Yeah, it's weird, you know, because, you know, I think this might be jumping ahead of just a small bit, but sure. with with, uh, with PlayStation Experience, that's kind of always been, that's been their, like, Sony's second E3 mm-hmm. for the last, like, three or four years. You know, they'll have E3, 
And then almost exactly six months later in early December, they'll kind of do a mid-year checkup. And that's where they announced, you know, like Last of Us and um, Uncharted 4, I think, was announced there as well. Um, so they usually have fairly big announcements at this event. Um, but even that, you know, we hadn't heard anything about it at all kind of leading up to it. And then this came out with them not attending E3. And it's just, it really makes you think, like, what's happening with Sony? Not that they're in trouble or anything like that, because I don't think that they are. But it's just, it's bizarre to see a company of that stature take a hard right turn from what they've done for 25 years, you know, and just kind of buck the tradition and do something completely different, I guess, because I'm assuming that they're going to maybe do something else. Like not, they've said for sure they're not doing anything at all related to E3, but I'm, they must be doing something. Well, you have to assume. Yeah. But if they're doing something, why wouldn't it be E3? They, That's true, yeah. They've never had a hard time just owning E3, even if other people are presenting huge things. Mm-hmm. Um, it, like, go back and count the E3s that have happened. Out of those 24, how many of them would people have said Sony won versus everyone else that presented? Maybe half. Maybe around mm-hmm. half Sony won E3. Um like according to the people that decide those things i don't know who yeah. wins e3 um but okay yeah so i've covered 43s 2015 to this year and every single time sony has done something that even now has not yet materialized um the announcements of Final Fantasy 7 Remake and Shenmue 3 are famous at this point because like they are so far out from their announcements but but even the more casual things like this year's E3 focused on four games and mm-hmm. they were Spider-Man, The Last of Us Part 2, Ghost of Tsushima and Death Stranding. Those were the main four games from Sony's E3 presentation and one of those came out. The other 3 don't even look like 2019 games. The other three could be 2020 games. Um, so we, we have Shenmue 3, Final Fantasy 7 Remake, Ghost of Tsushima, Death Stranding, Last of Us Part I feel like 2. that game is just never coming out at this point. Which one? I mean all Death of them, Stranding. right? <laughs> but, I mean, yeah, fair, all of them. But Death Stranding, just that game, I just don't... Even still, I don't know what to make of it. Just a random aside. But. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I get what you're saying. Uh, I, I think I know where they want it to be going now. They, they've done enough trailers that I can kind of piece together the clues of like, okay, what is this game going to look like? But even then, I, I can't tell if it's this sprawling open world or if it's like, if it's a five-hour cerebral cinematic experience i have no idea yeah that's why i'm like is it gonna be like a metal gear solid on crack where like instead of just being like you know 40 percent trailers 60 percent game it's gonna be like 90 percent trailers and cutscenes and 10 percent walking around with a guy on your back but it's just very i don't know yeah anyways randomly but i feel like but i feel like it's almost kind of tied because it's sony has been pushing that for so long they have and then like, they've used a lot of airtime for this game for, like, what, three years, I feel like? Mm-hmm. And then, and so now that the fact that they're just kind of stepping away from from E3 in general, it's like, okay, like, what what is this marketing strategy that you have going on? It's just, it's, it's very bizarre. It is bizarre. I, uh... Okay, so another big, like franchise that sony usually gets and usually talks about at e3 and is a big part of their their hardcore demographic outreach are well it's not a single franchise but everything that from software puts out the soulsborne-esque things they make um the dark souls series itself is not console exclusive but demon souls was and bloodborne was um and it was assumed that whatever they were going to do after dark souls 3 if it like the next thing in that lineage 
would also be a Sony exclusive, and it isn't. Uh, it's being mm-hmm. it's Sekiro Shadow dies Shadows die twice. It's being published by Activision, and um, at E3 this year, Xbox promoted it. It was in the Xbox mm-hmm. show. Um, so I'm like, what do they have? <laughs> I'm I'm just trying I'm trying trying to think. What what does Sony have in 2019? What did they have in this year besides Spider-Man yeah. and God of War? Like those two things are probably big enough for a year because both of them are enormous. Both of them are nominated for like every game of the year list. Understandable. <clears throat> but b- between the lines what's coming out and do, they have a lot of big games announced that are coming up, but none of them seem like they're next year, with the exception maybe of Shenmue 3, which is supposed to be August of next year, but like that's such a called shot. We'll see if it lands. Yeah. Um, they they would be the, what the, the console maker, I would say, most needs another show coming up soon. Yeah, and I think... Especially when you consider like the the reports that have come out, like from Jason Schreier afterwards, saying that you know he's still heard that PS Five is kind of on the horizon in twenty twenty. So it's like, okay, if you're planning on releasing that year after next, why would you not use E three as a place to announce that? Because that's like, I mean, just I mean, I guess it's just. This is what we've been indoctrinated to to think is because excuse you me, know, no worries. Um, it's always been big consoles at E3, right? So I'm just very confused because when I first heard that, when when I heard that they weren't going to be at E3 in 2019, I was like, oh, well, then that means like PS5 can't be in 2020 then because what are you doing with the with the advertisement cycle? But then like 20 minutes later. Jason Schreier was like, no, it's still 2020. So now it's like I'm even more confused because it's like, okay, so what are you, like, what's happening? Like, what's <laughs> yeah. going on? <laughs> yeah. I it, It's such a mixed message, right? Because is it just that they don't want to be pushing the PS4 anymore right now? Like, they want to, they, they, PlayStation more than the other consoles seems to push their old consoles longer into the life cycle of their next consoles um than than anyone else so i'm wondering if they want to change that this time and have the ps4 effectively like simmer out before the ps5 maybe that's a tactic so they can just start really strong all at once on the ps5 Mm -hmm. um i could see them doing that i i don't know Uh, my my biggest fear is that they think they just don't need it like they're like they're, yeah. they could. I could see this happening where Sony just gets so cocky that they're they think they're fine without it. <laughs> e three below us. Oh, yeah, but like the part that like if that is their thought, and I can totally, I totally agree that I can see that being their their train of thought. That even blows my mind because after this past E three, everybody was questioning Sony because they were like what are you doing? This was a weird press conference. Oh, yeah. like, this is two years in a row that things have been kind of iffy. What are you doing? And then if they're, if they go from that to being like, well, ha, we don't need E3 and then do something else. It's just, it, it's just mind blowing. It's very, it's just, it's confusing. You wouldn't know it from just watching the presentations, but you and I were both there and their show floor presence Sony's show floor presence this year was just not matching what they've done in the past at all. Mm-hmm. What it, uh, like Nintendo right next to them had such a bigger, more exciting thing going on. Any of the third-party yeah. uh, studios and, and individual games had it more exciting things than than Sony. It seemed like they're waning from their previous, um, like mighty stature. Just three years ago, they were so huge. They were the biggest guys, like the biggest guys you could have at, mm-hmm. at, at your show. Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what this means. Maybe they're just 
all I can sp- all, all I can do is just sit here and say maybe it's this, maybe it's that, but I really have no idea. Maybe they're not doing PSX this year. They're not doing E3 next year. So around PSX next year, which should be around October or November next year, uh, that is the announcement of the PS5, and it comes with the announcements of some of those games that we've been talking about forever. Final Fantasy VII Remake and, and Ghost of Tsushima, probably. Those are now PS5 launch titles? And yeah, it, yeah. yeah. It almost feels like at this point that that has to be the case. Because if they skip E3, and if they come and do like a PSX, like you said, next year in the fall, and if all they say is, all right, PS5... And just give like an initial announcement with not really many games, or even if you have games, if it's just like a small, um, just like a small gameplay trailer. Like it, it, it feels like, um, like you said, if if they do this, it has to be an all-out thing. Like they, they when they announce the PS Five, they have to have pricing. They need to have a release date. They have to have multiple launch titles because people are going to be chomping at the bit if all they do is skip E3 and then just say, hey, this is coming next year, but don't really give any details about it. Because it's like, if you have all this time, you should be able to come up with something massive. On the opposite side of the aisle from Jason Schreier, Chris Kohler uh, has been retweeting an article he wrote in 2013 and he keeps bringing it up uh in 2013 he called that the ps4 and the xbox one would be the last console generation as we can recognize it like the last traditional console generation and in in place there will be ubiquitous gaming consoles that aren't really a certain brand they can all just take input from uh more generalized software and uh, more likely now, streaming. They, they can just have certain apps on those machines that mm. stream from certain companies like Sony and Xbox and Nintendo. Um, I don't see that happening, but you know, Sony's not doing a good job <laughs> trying to convince me it's not <laughs> the case either. Uh, yeah. Like... Everyone knows that it's about time that we should start hearing about the PS5, right? And mm-hmm. in this console generation, like, like look at Naughty Dog, I guess. Sony's this is Sony's prized number one first-party developer. They're they're like the kings of Sony first-party stuff. They in the PS3 era put out Uncharted one, two and 3, and The Last of Us. And mm-hmm. in PS4, they did a remake of The Last of Us, uh, Last of Us just a remaster for, for the modern system, uh, which in any other console generation of theirs wouldn't have been necessary because you could have just played the old system's game on their new system. <laughs> um, and Uncharted 4. And it seems like The Last of Us Part 2 might be ps4 as well but we're talking about them delaying it to the ps5 so they they've done so little in comparison in a similar mm-hmm. amount of time and maybe they just don't like that about themselves so they don't want to announce it yet is maybe that's what it is i don't know man maybe they're yeah, just waiting it's like yeah <laughs> it's so many there could be so many things i just have no idea mm-hmm. yeah yeah i mean it's funny you bring up like that because I, I you know I forgot that they they put out four huge titles for the PS3, you know, and like if you look at like okay, PS3 or PS4 came out in 2013, so we're yeah. at about five years, right. and PS3 came out I want to 20... say in 2006. Yeah, 2006. So it was out for about seven years. So in seven years, you had four gigantic games. And, and like, and when I say gigantic, I mean it. Like those games were not like just small, tiny, like Call of Duty campaign type games. No. I mean, these are you know these were sprawling landscapes, huge you know lots of voice acting, 
lots of great cutscene, lots of sense, uh, scenery, especially in the Uncharted series, because that was just, you know, just massive. Um, but it's like, it's crazy to think that they've only made two. And really, one was a remake, so it wasn't really even making the game. It was just kind of giving it a bit of a reskin. Yeah, so it wasn't even going really... from SD to HD or anything, because the PS3 was HD. Yeah. It was just different HD. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was just like going from, I don't know, I guess like DVD to Blu-ray. But even then, not not really, because the PS3, by the by the time that Last of Us came out, the PS3 actually was, was performing pretty well. Like, that game didn't look bad at all. No. Um, so it, it's crazy. Like, so in, in six years... Or five years, they've done basically one game, and yeah, I did. I, I didn't actually get around to playing Uncharted Four, but and I've heard it was good. <laughs> so for it, you, it was it, zero it, games. Exactly. Yeah, for <laughs> me, it was it was just it was nothing. So yeah, it's just it's Sony has just honestly been very bizarre because they they started out this console generation, you know, with the whole, you know, teasing Xbox thing with like you know. If you want to play your friend's game, here you go. You just hand the disc. Like, you know, they were very much poking fun. Felt like they were on top of the world and all of that. And then they just kind of seemed to have just trailed off into where they are now, where we have where we have no idea what it is that they're doing. You know, it's just, yeah. it's very weird to see from what has been like, you know, one of the two biggest companies of all time, you know, between... I mean, Nintendo's always there, but, like, Nintendo kind of has its own audience, I feel. But, like, between Sony and Microsoft, like, you know, Sony has very much been at the top of the game for a long time. And to just kind of go from that to where we are now just being confused is just very weird. So, a lot of people are talking about this saying that it's PlayStation bowing out of E3. And before they said that, I actually didn't even consider that angle, that they might just not come back to E3 at all. Um, mm-hmm. what, what do you think about that? Do you think that's likely? I think it might be because it, it, if, if it's not, then it begs the question of like, okay, why did you decide to skip this one year? Like, it, especially with it being the year before you're supposedly going to release this big system. So it's like, if you didn't do it this year, why would you need to do it any year? You know, or at least I feel like that's what they would that's what they might be thinking if that is going to be the case if they just never come back it's like well okay if we didn't come this year then why why ever come back you know but even then it's just it's also weird like to not have sony at at e3 it's just like what what are they going to do like with the the press conference order like everything is just gonna i mean they usually did it in the evening so it didn't really affect much else but it's still just going to be a very different vibe I'm actually frustrated that I'm frustrated by this because <laughs> I've been I've been saying for a while for for those third parties that have their their big presentations like uh, Ubisoft and Bethesda, if you don't have something, don't show up. Like, don't do this. Don't have a big presentation to make the press just feel sorry for you for an hour. Uh, mm-hmm. EA is the worst about this. EA never has anything interesting ever and (laughs) they never ever have anything interesting and then they they just get so like exciting uh, of themselves they they get themselves Mm -hmm. riled up and hyped up to announce like fifa again like yeah i knew i knew you were gonna do a fifa you do fifa every year i know (laughs) and like for for them and and bethesda sometimes has like they, they have their good years and they have their bad years um I, I, I just want to take these companies aside that say, and say, like, hey, man, it is so much cheaper for you to not do this, and you're not advertising anything important right now. Don't waste the money. Do something else. Do a little Nintendo Direct-style video around your time. Um, and, and even then, only do that when you absolutely actually want to market something. So, mm-hmm. I guess Sony might be doing that. Like, their big games are still those five I mentioned that haven't come out yet and they, they still aren't close. So I kind of understand why they wouldn't be want, wanting to market those uh, next year at E3 because it's just not time for them yet. But at the same time, they're an entire console. They're, they're, they are an entire medium rather than just a developer. 
that there there are so many third parties that rely on being shown at places like uh like sony's e3 presentation and microsoft's e3 presentation and nintendo's e3 presentation that uh, sony not showing up it doesn't just impact sony and sony first party developers it's an entire ecosystem um it's an entire fan base that bought the console that bought a ps4 and they're just saying wait you're like done you're not announcing any more games for this system <laughs> it, it's it's wild it's like i didn't i didn't think this was possible mm-hmm. that they could just not show up yeah they could just because uh, yeah i mean now that you say say it like that too it's like yeah what if, like if they really don't do anything else big for this console generation it's just like wait what like <laughs> yeah. all these big huge things that we've been promised like are you just done because like you said if they they're skipping e3 and if they choose to kind of focus on ps5 for any event whatever it might be that they do next fall then yeah like that means we've only got from right now we have two years left on the ps4 cycle but there's no there's nothing in the pipeline except for like you know third party games and and multi-platform games but they've got nothing else that's you know there's there's no god of war to look forward to there's no you know spider-man it, it seems like we're just i mean they've shown us a lot of good stuff but nothing has dates so we have no idea when they're coming yeah it's it's wild and i'm sure there's like the santa monica team at sony is st- is probably working on God of War, two slash five, however you want to count it, uh, right yeah. now, <laughs> and they would be ridiculous to not um, consign Insomniac Games to do another Spider-Man game if they still have the rights to that. Um, mm-hmm. So there's there's stuff, but I mean that should be in its embryonic stages right now. And the things yeah. that should be on the horizon are way on the horizon. So, it, I mean, I would say they're just not in a great position at all right now. Uh, mm-hmm. But maybe what they're doing is they're waiting for Microsoft to announce the next Xbox at this E3. Um, and then maybe. they can cater the announcement of the PS5 to be based on the shortcomings of the next Xbox, whatever they are, and they can present that four months later at their PSX. That yeah. If if they really if they're that scared of Xbox, I I could see that being what they're doing. But they also just don't seem that scared of Xbox, so I don't know. Yeah, because because you know they've after they kind of like quote unquote one like that initial push out the gate for this generation you would think that that they don't really care what xbox has to do but i mean i guess maybe since xbox went first last time and they sony was able to kind of just really kind of cater their entire marketing strategy around just saying we're everything that this system is not yeah I, I guess maybe that that's what they want to do again. So instead of kind of, instead of just getting out the gate, even if they do have something concrete of ready before Microsoft does, they might just be saying like, okay, let's just kind of punt for now and then we'll make it up on the back end. But even still, that just feels like you can still announce, you can still show us something and just look like they could come to E3 in 2019 just give us an announcement. Don't really talk about features. Just kind of, you know, give us the typical, this is more powerful than anything we've ever done before, blah, blah, blah. Here's some gameplay. Everybody will clap and all that stuff. And then, but don't announce any features and just wait for Microsoft to do that. So to not even go that route and just really kind of just kick everything out and just go dig into a hole is just very odd. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think of all the different reasons this could be, and I think it just has to be that there aren't any games. There there are no major upcoming near PlayStation exclusives. And if I, if I was, like, way hard into the PlayStation camp out of all three of these consoles' fan bases, if I was in there, 
I would be really nervous um, right now. I, I would be very nervous that the, I, my box that I bought is just abandoned prematurely. And um, I, I mean, Nintendo sometimes does this, and they get a lot of flack for when they do it. Like when the game that they announced for the Wii U, the Wii U's prize game, Breath of the Wild, that's going to turn into a Switch game. People were already so upset that, like, I wouldn't have bought a Wii U. And that was just one game, and it even came out on Wii U anyway. With all these things, I, I imagine, like, I don't think they're for PS4 anymore. Like, all of them. I, I think that they're all PS5 games. And, uh, wow, that would be a rough move for Sony. I don't mm-hmm. know what you could do to market the console through the, the next full calendar year, if that's what their their plan is. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, it's just very... It, I mean, because like you said, it was weird for Nintendo to do that with Breath of the Wild, but even at the same time, it, it kind of felt like a Nintendo thing to do because they always kind of do things that are different and not something that we would expect. But from Sony, like, you know, this, who is usually a very conservative, by-the-book kind of company, it just seems super, super surprising to to go this route and really just kind of flip everything on its head. It does. Um, and we've probably talked it to death and we, we <laughs> I mean, we, we, we kind of hit on it. There's just no knowing. Yeah. Why there's no way it. to it know. Does not there's, make there's a lot of, yeah, there's a lot of things we can try to come up yeah. with that explain it, but we just have no idea. That's, I mean, it's, it's good that uh, we have an ending like that this week rather than others, because this week we have more pieces of news. Uh, I'm going to skip ahead to the what I have third on the list of, of news items first, uh, rather than s- the, do the thing second. So, the N64 Classic is apparently not a thing. Everyone seems to be waiting for this Nintendo 64 Classic. There was a patent for it. There was, a, there was speculation that it was just going to follow... They did the NES, now they're going to do the Super NES, now they're going to do the Nintendo 64 it didn't happen. Uh, Reggie Fizeme says that it's not in their upcoming plans whatsoever. He's not ruling it out, but it's it's not something that they're thinking about right now. And he further went on to say that the Switch's online service is where he's expecting most of Nintendo's classic game support to be coming from in the near future. What do you think about that? I mean, on the one hand, I guess it makes sense because if, if if they do indeed try and push this Nintendo online service, including like big N64 games and, and maybe on down the line, Wii games and Wii U games, that is certainly a selling point. But it just, again, like, I, it feels a bit weird to just go from... Because everybody was thinking ahead because they were like, hey, you know, they did the Nintendo, Super Nintendo, and it just makes sense to kind of keep going through, especially because they're such huge sellers. And I feel like the N64 would probably be the biggest seller of all because even though, like, the the, the um, NES Classic and the, and the Super NES Classic, even though those are, are cool items and they've got some fun games on there, I feel like most people at least with the generation that would be buying these consoles are probably would identify more with the N64 than anything else. So it feels like that would have been a sure shot to just really kind of like just print money with that thing. So to not do that is just, I mean, it's a very, like I kind of said, it's a very Nintendo thing to do. I feel to be like, I realize that you, you were expecting this, but we're just going to not do it. Um, Yeah. So we'll see. But I, I do hope that this means that they have bigger plans in store for um, Nintendo Online to kind of really flesh that out. That's where and, I am, too. I really hope it means that. I, I Because yeah. just NES games and just, like, three NES new NES games a month is so little. It's it's yeah. almost an insult that they thought that's what people wanted, <laughs> or if not, if it's not what they thought people wanted, they just did it anyway <laughs> because yeah, it's like no one is excited about that. 
it Mm-mm. it seems to not have um made people feel feel any better about paying for online especially when things like uh the the most played online game on nintendo switch right now is splatoon 2 it does not have dedicated servers what are what are the online funds going toward yeah exactly it, like, it, like it, why are we paying 20 bucks a year i mean it's only 20 bucks but it's the principle yeah, it was it was <laughs> it was advertised as being a paid service so that the online uh, situation can be better. It's not better at all, and instead of Virtual Console, which was a pretty robust uh, marketplace for older games, they they're just doing this whatever now. So this is actually great. I I hope it means that N sixty four games and uh, Game Boy, Game Boy Color, Game Boy Advance, and Super Nintendo. Uh, and even Sega consoles, if they want to get in on it, are I hope that means that they're coming to the service too. I just they've given me no f- reason to think that. <laughs> I kind of feel like they're just <laughs> going to keep it on in N sixty four games because those are worth literally like three cents per ROM at this point. So mm-hmm. yeah, I kind of saw I kind of saw it coming. One of the biggest uh, hurdles for Nintendo with the N sixty four is that um, where a lot of the major third-party support for Super Nintendo came from Square Enix, which is a hard company to deal with, but ultimately fine if you pay them. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of the N64's classic games come from Rare, which is now Microsoft. So, um, you know, it's possible. There's always the sense that they seem to be growing closer to microsoft uh more and more every year with things like minecraft and stuff and like pooling together their forces against sony uh stuff stuff like that but uh you know that's still goldeneye for sure probably perfect dark probably the two uh banjo games at least those four are are nearly necessary for a N64 yeah. classic and I it, you know it, I don't know if that would happen or not uh so that's always been a a thing um in that same interview Reggie said uh some more inter- information about the he said some more things about the Smash Brothers DLC for Super Smash Brothers Ultimate uh he was asked about the characters because Sakurai tweeted out that those characters were chosen by Nintendo. And Reggie s- said, actually, I was never asked about that. So uh, it must have all been from Nintendo Japan, which is interesting. And he was insistent that all of the characters for DLC were already chosen way ahead of time. So no fan-based pulls that happen right now could impact what they do as DLC. Which seems like a weird thing to double down on. I, I understand that that is the case, and it usually is the case, in fact, with DLC. But it seems like a weird thing to, to be proud of, or to, to advertise, that fan demand will not affect these things at all. Isn't that strange, that they would, yeah like, harp on that? Yeah, it is weird. I mean, it, it, it was... I remember when Sakurai came out and said that. It was a very weird thing for them to kind of make a point of it i don't know it almost has me like leery about what could be coming <laughs> yeah i'm i'm optimistic um i i still think there could be some good characters in there uh sakurai has come out himself and reiterated his stance that he took 10 years ago that uh characters from anime and manga cannot be in smash brothers they need to be from video games uh in their origin so i'm sorry why it looks like goku is not happening damn it i know (laughs) um there's a lot of there's a lot of things that they're saying right now that seem to indicate what it can't be (laughs) so you you almost can just narrow down the list um yeah sure yeah still hoping for banjo don't think that's impossible um, a lot of people assumed that if Banjo was going to be in Smash, it would be tied to an N64 Classic. Uh, he wasn't in the base game, and the N64 Classic doesn't exist. So, <laughs> I'm a little bit more nervous than before, but we'll see how it goes. 
uh, last news item. And we're only doing the newsy nibbles this week because sometimes the hot topic is the newsy nibble, is my excuse. There is a trailer for a movie called Detective Pikachu. Why? It was great. Dude! This came out of nowhere. Like, I remember when this movie was announced. Uh-huh. And I was like, okay, like, Detective Pikachu, like, this is probably going to be absolutely horrendous. Um, yeah, it has no business being good. Yeah, like, it, it, everything that we had heard prior to this would just lend to a, a terrible, terrible Avatar The Last Airbender live-action-ish kind of just hot, steaming pile of garbage. Yeah, what, and what then the this trailer dropped. What the idea initially like made me think of is that one Barney movie from the '90s, where <laughs> it like it doesn't take place in the canon of the TV show Barney. It's like someone liked the TV show Barney and had a Barney doll, like an official merchandise Barney doll that then came to life and became Barney in that movie. Uh, mm-hmm. which is, I don't know if, I don't know how, like, popular that movie is. I don't know how many people have seen it. <laughs> so I don't know if I'm just, like, talking about some completely weird thing. But, um, but, but, but yeah, like, the idea of it being a, a movie where there's a, a talking Pikachu, uh, yeah. makes sense because the movie that I think a lot of people expected and a lot, what a lot of people thought they wanted was just a standard trainer goes through the gym system, battles the Elite Four, or go, does a Pokemon League tournament or something like that, becomes champion. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the that's the movie you want to see, a typical trainer journey. Uh, like yeah. Ash does in the show all the time, constantly for 20 years. And <laughs> because that's just the story of Pokemon at this point, that's, that's what you yeah. would expect to see. But... If you're making a live-action movie about it, you want one of the main characters to be the Pokemon itself. Um, and if it's if that's the case, it needs to have lines. So I understand why they went with Nintendo, or sorry, why they went with Detective Pikachu. It just felt like a cop-out to me. It felt like, oh, this is completely for the merchandise. They're going with the safest route possible. After seeing this trailer. I think this is the furthest from the safest route possible they could have possibly gone. <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. Because like they, like they have, like they they went for it. Like they, they really absolutely did. went for it. Like because this is everything that you would have wanted out of a Pokemon movie: a Pikachu that talks where we can understand him, and is voiced by an actor that people really love. Um, well, I don't, I don't yeah, know I if any, like, if everyone wanted that, but all right. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't know if any everyone wanted this particular person, but like giving it it some some just giving that character character, so to speak. Um, sure. And then you know, really giving us these Pokemon that. Obviously, you know, of course it's going to be CG, so nobody's expecting these to look like, you know, actual things that we can see, but they, but the, the looks of all of them, all of the Pokemon look fantastic. Like, they're all very, as realistic as you can possibly make a fake Pokemonster, Pocket Monster, um, but it looks great, and, and I, I don't know how they did it, but it, <laughs> It look. I mean, we'll see what the the whole movie looks like. But from now, from where we're sitting, this looks absolutely fantastic. Yeah i I couldn't have envisioned this movie being anything like what it is. I thought they would either just put like models of the Pokemon from the game, even just how they look, like completely smooth and anime in the real world, and it would look. Maybe like Who Framed Roger Rabbit with just the cartoon imposed on the the real mm-hmm. world stuff, um, or they would go a really weird route and they would just say this is the normal world, uh, and this is a, like a like a kid who likes Pokemon, like the video game and the TV show. Somehow a portal opened up and he got. Uh, what looks just like a regular mouse, like a yellow mouse, but it zaps people, and he needs to protect it from the FBI or something. Like, it's, <laughs> it's E.T., but Pokemon. Uh, and what they did was they made Pokemon that actually look like real animals, um, 
but still very much like Pokemon. Like, they don't look like... Yeah. Oh, man, I can't even describe it. If anyone hasn't seen it, I don't know what you're doing with your life. Go and watch this trailer. <laughs> it's the best thing I've ever seen. Um. Okay, yeah, like, yeah. Wow. Just... <laughs> I mean, yeah, it like, like, I think, like, wow, that kind of just explains it. Like, it just looks... Like you said, like of course they're gonna be they look like Pokemon, but they but they don't look like what we're used to seeing. You know? I mean like the like the one example, you know, everybody's freaking out about Jigglypuff right. apparently everybody just thought that she was all just like a balloon, basically. Um, but everyone freaked out to see that she was actually like has fur. Mm-hmm. Um, but but that's something that that type of kind of realism is not what we're ever kind of expecting from Pokemon, mm-hmm. but it but it looks great. It it, it looks like absolutely they pulled incredible. it off. Um, so the art style was made in part by R.J. Palmer, who is a name longtime hardcore Pokemon fans might recognize from places like DeviantArt and stuff, where he put his art of realistic Pokemon on, on, online. And these look ugly as hell. I mean, purposefully ugly. <laughs> um, just, just, just gross, realistic interpretations of Pokemon based on how they should look if their biology made any sense. Mm-hmm. And the movie does not look like that. But the fact that he was brought in, apparently, uh, in an interview, he said the director of the movie was just googling realistic Pokemon, and my art came up, and he hired me on the spot. Which is what a dream come true. Um, the, the the movie definitely has some of that DNA in there. Like it it's it's about eighty percent closer to what Pokemon looked like in the games than what he was originally drawing. But mm-hmm. just Pikachu's gonna have fur. Um, Charizard is gonna yeah. have scales, and he's gonna look super gross. And Greninja's sticking his tongue out all the time. It's going to get dry. And that's awful. It's awful to look at. <laughs> but you have to look at it because it's what it looks like. Um, yeah. Very, very, uh, very different. So, I, I don't know if you knew this, but a new Pokemon movie, a, a new Pokemon movie that isn't this one, comes out in a week. And no one cares because of Detective Pikachu. Yeah. I had no idea. Yeah, it's in theaters. <laughs> it's it's going to be in theaters in America, uh, which is not common for Pokemon movies anymore. Uh, it's called Pokemon: The Power of Us, and it's it's a uh, I guess it's it's based on the Johto generation of Pokemon. So Gold and Silver Pokemon are going to be in there. And yeah, I mean, like I can't care. I can't care about that movie. Detective Pikachu, man. <laughs> That's obviously in, in summer of next year versus now. But there's one now, and there's no way that I'm going to like get as excited about that as what Detective Pikachu is. Um, <laughs> kid, kids today might not realize how, how big Pokemon was in the mainstream in the 90s when it was um, like the number one movie in theaters. Pokemon the first movie yeah. was uh, the number one movie of that summer, the summer it came out. And it is I remember, I remember going to see that. Oh yeah. It's still the number one uh, anime movie in terms of revenue ever. Uh, it has not been That's topped. Crazy. Yeah. Domestically in Japan, Spirited Away did better. But worldwide, Pokemon the first movie is is the the highest revenue getter of all anime movies. Um, but but what do you think about the tone of this movie? It seems so dark. Yeah. Um, well, it seems it's it's. I think it just it seems dark because everything that we've known from Pokemon before has always just been so lighthearted. You know, like even even in the original movie. Um, you know, spoiler alert to anybody that hasn't seen a twenty year old movie. Um, but, you know, like the ending scene where, um, where Ash almost dies and Pikachu has to revive him. Like, even in that scene, like, it's a sad scene, but the entire tone of everything is very hopeful and very kind of just uplifting. But this thing just seems, it seems like a real movie. Yeah. Like. Which, I like it. I, you know, I think it's, I think it's, it's a good, 
it's a good move to kind of just give what is typically been seen as just this like kiddie franchise, give it like an actual normal kind of vibe. In in the show and in in some aspects of the game, they're so careful to toe the line between naturalism and just cute chibi aesthetics so they can have a pokemon a pokedex line in there about how like rattata are often the food source for spiro but you're never gonna see a spiro eat a rattata right you're never gonna see a pokemon like die in that way i bet in this movie um a lickitung is just gonna extend its tongue and grab a butterfree out of the air and eat it and it's going to be a joke. And then, like, it's just going to cut to a different scene. Like, like I've... <laughs> like, it, just looking at Pikachu in this movie, like, he can die. Pikachu in the show can't yeah. die. But Pikachu in this movie could be eaten by that Charizard. It just could... Easy. Easy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 100%. Yeah. Okay, that's all I have to say about that. Let's uh, close off the show. Of course, you can write in to us at podcast at superjumpmagazine.com. That's podcast at superjumpmagazine.com. Uh, if you write into the show, your, your questions or comments may be read on the show unless otherwise stated in, in your message that you don't want that. Um, and if you could, just remember to leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. Subscribe to us. Tell a friend. Uh, anything you want to do, uh, let's head into the after-school activities. So, Wyatt, what are your after-school activities this week? Um, so, you know, we were talking a lot about um, Sony and that whole thing a little bit earlier in the show. So, there's this uh, guy, he's a YouTuber slash uh, Twitch streamer. His name is Maximilian Dude. Um, he does a lot of fighting game stuff, mainly. Um, but he also plays a lot of just a lot of video games, um, and he always kind of does these other non non fighting game related videos. And he did one on the PS5 and kind of just the state of Sony, kind of where they're at. Um, and he always has really good thoughts. And he because he's kind of a pretty well connected um, YouTuber, he does have like some sources from like within the industry as well, um, so he can kind of give some just kind of more detailed thoughts on things than just kind of like a regular person could. So definitely, um, it's one of the newer videos on this channel. Um, so if you just search Maximilian Dude, and that's D-O-O-D, um, that's kind of like what he calls his fan base. Um, so if you just search that on YouTube, he'll pop right up and you can check that video out. Cool. Sounds good. Um, so I, I hate to bring uh, the, the tone of the show down a little bit, um, <laughs> but the reason there was no episode last week... Uh, our, our goal for season three was to have no missing episodes, like no missing weeks just because, and we had a lot of them in season two. Uh, we had to break it for season three for the first time just because the Thousand Oaks, uh, there was a shooting in a bar and 12 people died. I did know one of those people. It's pretty close to me. It's only Thousand Oaks is only a few towns over from where I live. Um, that happened, and the community is just not really taking that too well. And shortly after uh thousand oaks and other cities in uh, other cities in southern california especially paradise were hit really hard by uh, a, a system of fires wildfires that have gone through uh southern california if you remember last year uh, if especially if you were a listener of the show i, I talked about it as it was happening uh i i let everyone know that my house is okay but a house straight across the street, like five houses down on the same street as mine, burned straight to the ground, and the, all the hillside burned around us. We have a huge problem with our wildfires right now. Um, mm-hmm. And, and uh, just violence and natural disaster is hitting Southern California pretty hard right now. And if, if, if you know anyone in the area... If you, or even if you don't and you're just concerned about it, look into uh, people's rebuilding GoFundMes. You might be, uh, you might want to be cautious about that. I I know that a lot of uh, 
piggybackers off natural disasters set up GoFundMe's around the same time. Look for ones with sources and uh, le- legit- legitimacy behind them before you just start funding something. Um, but yeah, uh, there, there, there's people that need your help right now. So if you have the time or the money or the, the attention to, to be able to donate some of it to, to them, please do so. That is our after-school activity this week. Our theme song has been by Jamitar. Thank you, Jamitar. Thanks for listening, and stay super!